everyone, and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. So glad that you're with us today and joining us for a, a new month here on Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Uh, my name is Peggy Floyer, and I'm the host of this weekly broadcast put on by Spay Homeschool, as well as its founder and CEO. We at Sped Homeschool empower families to home educate children with learning challenges. I encourage you to check out our website at spedhomeschool.com to learn more about the resources and support we offer families. Well, some of the best resources we offer, as I say often, are partners. And we have one of our partners with us, um, Stephanie Buckwalter from Art of Special Needs Parenting. Sorry, my microphone and what I'm hearing are completely opposite. So I'm trying my best to go through this. And I know Stephanie's going to share a lot with us. So I'm hoping it doesn't mess up our show too bad. Um, but welcome, Stephanie. I'm so glad to have you back on the show. Hi, Peggy. Thank you for inviting me. I enjoy being here. Yeah, so I would love, as we're getting started, now this month is a new month, like I said at the beginning, and we're focusing on IEPs and teacher prep, which is kind of what we're going to come covering today, is that teacher prep aspect, and what do parents need to do if they have a special needs child to prep for homeschooling, it's like we're starting probably in the next couple weeks or month. And so I think you have a topic a lot of people want to hear about. So yeah. And if okay. you're watching, also know that you can make comments or put questions in the feed and we'd love to include those in our show. But um, yeah, so I'm going to give it over to you, Stephanie, because uh, this is this your thing is driving me crazy. But um, how about you just um, Start by introducing yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and the work that you do with homeschoolers. Okay, thank you. Um, my name is Stephanie Buckwalter. I've been a homeschooler for over 18 years. I have five children and they range from gifted to moderate special needs. So I've taught a little bit of everything. We've done homeschool, private school, public school. So I know the transition processes in and out. I'm an author, speaker and curriculum developer. And I run a website for special needs parents to help them find homeschooling resources, especially that's what I send out my newsletter every week. And I'm creating a curriculum for students who are two or more years behind grade level in one or more mm -hmm. subjects. That's my current project. Yeah, you're a very busy woman. <laughs> but that curriculum is so much needed. Um, oops, I think I just lost my voice. There we go. Um, but yeah, that curriculum is so needed in our community. So I appreciate that you're doing that. Um, yeah, so we're just gonna kick off and go into a, our discussion unless you have questions or comments to add our viewers. <clears throat> but Stephanie has a lot to share. And so I wanna get going and make sure we can cover all the things that you wanna talk about. So as we get started, what types of things do typical homeschoolers prep before starting the homeschool year? And how might this be different for families home educating a child with special needs? Okay, well, yes, I do tend to be chatty. So my answers may be long. <laughs> so Peggy, you can have a little break. Um, yes. 
<laughs> so, so the difference between typical homeschoolers and special needs homeschoolers. So understanding the difference between how to prepare for a school year between the two has really been a game changer for me. Hmm. So the typical homeschool prep experience is you kind of search out that perfect curriculum. You wander the vendor halls if you're able to go to conferences, right. search online, read all the reviews. And then you get at home, you study out the table of contents, you plan out the year based on the table of contents, or if you're lucky, there's a teacher's guide that's already done for you. But having homeschooled four kids before my son came along, that's what I did for her. I was like, yay, I shot for a curriculum, planned it all out, albeit at a, you know, a slower pace because with a special needs kid, um, that's one of the reasons why they're in that category is because mm -hmm. they won't be able to keep up with the regular curriculum. And then mm -hmm. I waited for the start. And for me, that was just a recipe for disaster in the homeschooling thing. And I finally mm -hmm. realized that even the curriculum um, designed for neurotypical kids is great. The teacher guides are great. Having that table of contents, which gives you your scope and sequence for the year. Mm -hmm. What she really needed was I'll call it curriculum plus. So the mm -hmm. curriculum was a great guideline, but she needed other things to support her to actually make it through a school year. And I needed those support things too for me as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great information. Because I think parents often just want to find the right curriculum and then the problem's solved. But that's not really what you're saying. <laughs> Because right, I'm, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I'm in Facebook groups, um, even the SPED Homeschool Facebook group. And the question is always, you know, what curriculum can I use for this situation? What curriculum? What curriculum? And that's great because there are so many helpful people that have such experience. You can really learn a lot from them. But oftentimes it's curriculum plus some support material that you need. So you may not ever find that perfect curriculum. Mm -hmm. Yes. Kind of hard to hear, but I think the more early on you do hear that and you accept it and then realize there's things you can do, which you'll be sharing with us, um, that just makes it a little more hopeful. Yeah. And yeah, the first getting started is the hard part. Once you do this for the first year, once you slog through that first year of doing this, you know, a process of preparing properly for the school year. Then the next year you have something to build on and it's so much easier. You just have to get through that first year. Right. Yeah. So we have a viewer with us, um, Kathleen's watching on YouTube. And she said, just mentioning I'm brand new to the entire process. <laughs> Great. I think that's it's good to have you. I think you'll learn a lot from the whole month. I think you're doing IEP stuff the whole month, right? Oh, and I was going to say, I, I think there's probably a, a lot of people who are new to this and just need to hear what you have to share with them. <laughs> okay. Yes. So what are some of the most important things you can do to prepare for an upcoming school year? Um, that's kind of a loaded question. I have like six <laughs> things. <laughs> so take Go note. Six <laughs> um. So the first thing is they're not really all action items. Be realistic about your child's starting point. If they're not ready for second grade work, don't feel like you have to jump into second grade curriculum. 
Now, it's mm -hmm. really hard in the early years. You have the tendency to do that because you want to, you know, you want so much for your kid to be with their peers. But it's probably not doing them any favors if you do that. I'm giving tough love today. Okay. <laughs> so, hope you, hope you don't mind. Tough love. Um, just you, you need to know where they are at and their resources and tools to help you do that. Yeah. So if your child is not able to follow a curriculum with ease, then the first step is really to set goals for your child. And if you've heard the term scope and sequence, if you're new to homeschooling, you may not have heard that term, but mm -hmm. the scope is what you plan to teach. And the sequence is the order you're going to teach it in. A traditional table of contents in any curriculum book is basically the scope and sequence. Someone else has already scoped out what they think, a, we'll, we'll stick with second grades, and that's where I started. Mm -hmm. A second grader can learn, so they that's the scope. This is everything you're supposed to learn, and then they have it planned out, and hopefully they've done it in a way that equals into the 36 weeks of school. So that's mm -hmm. your scope and sequence. But if you have a special needs child who can't stick with that uh, time frame for getting all that work done, then you have to do something different. So the right. first step is to set goals. and the goals need to be measurable and you need to be able to, uh, the second, actually the next thing is to figure out how you're going to measure progress yeah. for those goals. The, right. uh, and we've, I was going to say, we've, we've got a question from one of our viewers and she okay. was asking just about that. She said, I'm a mom to a child with ADHD and severe dyslexia. How do you, set goals when school is a complete struggle? The, you start where your child is at. And for ADHD, your goals may not be academic goals. They may be behavioral goals or therapy goals. So it's not just academics. That's the other struggle is being a homeschool parent is your goals aren't just going to be strictly academic, whereas a neuro, neurotypical child, they're going through curriculum. Mm -hmm. The reason they can make it through that curriculum in a year is because they can follow that so scope and sequence because they don't have, hopefully, <laughs> the the uh, behavioral issues or the therapy needs and all those other things. Mm -hmm. So for a child with ADHD, you would um, figure out where is the ADHD or the, was it dyslexia, causing, yes. mm -hmm. where is that impacting your child's learning? And that's where you'd start with your goal. So if your child can't sit still long enough to even do the work, then your right. goal would be related to having him, you know, learn calming. It could be, well, those are things how. So the goal would be to be able to sit through a 15 minute class. And if your child is young or has severe ADHD, that's good. Or mm -hmm. it may be that you want to find, and the answer may not be sitting still it may be moving while they're learning. And so that will come up here in a little bit. And, and uh, the, the next couple of things I'm talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about here about the things you need to do in advance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you want to go to the next question that a viewer has oh, thrown up. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, I'm, oh, I'm still oh, on my oh, list. Oh, okay. <laughs> So we'll, we'll figure out where to start. I think that's a later question anyways, that we were going to okay. talk about. How do we figure out where to start? But yeah, let's dive into this. So give us a picture 
of what your school year looks like from planning before the school year, adjusting along the way, and how that ties into the providing evidence for progress at the end of the year. Okay. Do you want me to finish the list of six things first on the oh, how yes. to prepare? Yes. Do that. Sorry. <laughs> then answer that question will make a lot more sense when I get yes. down to when I answer that one. So yes. the first one was be real, realistic about your, I'll name them up, I'll number them up here for you. Uh, yes. Be realistic about your child's starting point, uh, set goals. And then the next thing is to figure out how you're going to measure the progress of those goals. Right. It might be periodic testing. And again, it helps to know as, as homeschoolers, we don't necessarily have to know this, but it does help to know that there are 36 weeks in a school year. A semester is 18 weeks, a quarter is nine weeks. So if you're trying to measure progress, you can do it in multiples of three or multiples of nine. That's just mm -hmm. a really good way mm -hmm. to yeah. keep track of progress. So know how you're gonna measure progress. It can be with periodic testing, like every three or nine or 18, probably mm -hmm. 18 is too long, at least a quarter, kind of like a report card every three or nine weeks do periodic testing or as you're working through your materials you can do projects that can show that your child is learning they may not like if your child is nonverbal, like my child uh taking a test isn't really going to be the best way to do that but we can do a project and i can make parts of the project where she has to complete it independently and that tells me that yes she did learn what i was trying to teach her you can also yeah. use a grading rubric if you don't know what those are, it's R-U-B-R-I-C. Look that, you know, just do a search on grading rubrics and you can find them online for any topic. You could probably find one for ADHD. You could find them for reading, for spelling, for all kinds of things at different grade levels. And the other thing is for measuring progress, finding samples of work that they produce, just hold them every, you know, three or nine weeks, pick out mm -hmm. the best of the best. And then at the end of the year, you'll have your not only will you measured progress, it's helpful for you to know that yes, your teaching is making a difference in your child's life. And <laughs> that does help a lot. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the best thing about setting these goals is you can actually see what your child has done at the end of the year. And then if you have mm -hmm. a state of requirements to turn in some kind of proof of progress or evidence of progress right. or to an evaluator, you have it all right there. And it's even measured. That's even better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And then after that, so we still haven't even gotten a curriculum. <laughs> so that's still yeah. the way. So we've starting point goals, how you're going to measure progress. And then the next thing is to figure out your adaptations and accommodations. And that's what I was talking about earlier when I said it's curriculum plus you may yeah. have to, if your child is just as mildly in uh, behind just a little bit behind you may be able to or struggle with overwhelm you may be able to cut back on the number of problem problems your child's doing and still make mm -hmm. forward progress that would be an adaptation to curriculum accommodation mm -hmm. would be something like taking uh, doing something extra instead of well, on testing, it would be something on math. We'll give them as an example. So in math, an accommodation would be, let's say your child is now in sixth or seventh grade and they still don't know how to add, subtract, multiply, divide in their head. Mm -hmm. You may have been trying remediation up to that point. This is when you want to switch to accommodation. 
hand the kid a calculator and let them work on the math concepts. You can do it much later. Don't wait till sixth grade. <laughs> Trust me, I did that. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh, give your child a calculator and still work on remediating those math facts, but exactly the combination of a calculator so they can keep moving forward in math concepts. Mm -hmm. they need. Next step, and this is one that I throw in, not many people would necessarily say this, but I'm a strong believer in a learning profile. And that's where you note your child's mm -hmm. learning style, personality, preferences, likes, dislikes, abilities, all those things. So it's kind of a snapshot of where your child is at the beginning of the year. If you do them every year, it's fun to see how they change over the years, what their likes mm -hmm. and dislikes are. Kind of like when you keep a Christmas list and you look at it, you know, years later, you're like, oh, look what they were interested in then. Yeah. Think of the same way. It's like their Christmas list. <laughs> you mm -hmm. can do it has the same um, historical interest. Right. And then you use the learning pro profile to steer your child, your teaching methods and content to fit your child. And mm -hmm. so accommodation and adaptation along with the learning profile is where you're going to start to find that homeschool success that curriculum alone will not give you. Mm -hmm. And now it's time to look at curriculum. <laughs> so whether you want yeah. or you haven't, you can use the learning profile and um, your goals, accommodation, measurements, all of that mm -hmm. is how you get your curriculum to work. If you haven't taken the time right. to teach your prep stage to do those things, you're, um, you're kind of <laughs> you're far away to engage in a year long losing battle. That's what I found personally. I'm not, I'm not preaching anyone saying you need to do this. I'm speaking. Mm -hmm depths of the pit of despair <laughs> of experience. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's all really great advice because you're right. We start backwards and we start with the curriculum and then we kind of try to make it fit all those things instead of figuring out ahead of time what we need the curriculum to do. And if they follow it your direction, you're going to be more picky about what you choose and make sure it fits everything that you need. So that's right. great plus, advice. Be plus knowledgeable. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So you had talked about a baseline, and I know we have a question from one of our viewers. It says, how do I figure out where I need to start my 13-year-old with ASD, ADHD? Have, I'm assuming you've been homeschooling a while. I, I don't know why I'm assuming that, but I am. So I'll, I'll give you both scenarios. So if you're just starting in homeschooling, you can I think use, she's the same one that mentioned she was just starting. Okay. So if your child was coming out of public school, then they probably have some kind of an IEP, which is an individualized education plan. She said no. Oh, okay. So it probably is higher functioning and didn't have anything. That's my okay. assumption. So in that case, um, actually, I'm going to cover this in another question, but one of the things I highly mm -hmm. recommend is just be a noticer of your child. Notice how they learn when they're learning something that they enjoy, like let's say they're learning a new video game 
or they're learning um, a new skill at home, like they're teaching themselves something, notice how they learn and take notes and notice where the, and I think I kind of said this earlier, notice where your child's struggles are impacting their academic work. Those are gonna be two clues. The impact on academic work is gonna tell you what the goal needs to be and the observing your child and how they learn naturally when they're learning something on their own will help you set the, um, so that will help set the goal. That will help you solve the issue, like how to address the learning problem. Right, and she followed up saying that he had been in school for two years because of behavior. So I think that's a great piece of advice you're giving her because that behavior is communicating something to you. And what Stephanie's telling you is you need to figure out what's causing that because they're not going to learn until you can communicate. Right. Right. Yeah. So okay. they're also, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I'll, I'll get no, to that no, no. Finish your thought. <laughs> oh, well, no, because it fits in later with, uh, with something else I'll talk about. Okay. So next, you were going to give us a picture of what your year looks like from planning before the school year, adjusting along the way, and how that all ties into providing evidence of progress at the end of the year. Okay, so I'll show you how the, the things I just explained, I'll show you how that works in my house. Yeah. So as part of our state requirements, I have to provide proof of progress in math and language arts. Thankfully, that's it. You know, they don't care about science mm -hmm. and art. And it's just those two. So... <laughs> The end part of this last year, and I just sent it in on August 1st, so this is fresh for me. So at the end of point of last year is the starting point for this year. And that's what I said, if you just do the work, you know, just slog through it the one year to get it done, then the next year it's so much easier because I know, now I know where she ended up. So I know her starting point. So that's exactly. Easy. And um, then I'll take into account my, my daughter's current abilities due to therapy, nutritional changes, neurological changes. She's a different mm -hmm. person than she was a year ago. And so that mm -hmm. part of the process, you do have to do again. You do have to do the profile and update it to see, you know, interest change, abilities mm -hmm. may have changed. And so I'll take her current abilities and project into the future one year, one school mm -hmm. year, where I want her to be at the end yeah. of the school year. And she's in high school now. So this year, I really want to focus on her communication skills. She's getting close to adulthood. She's functionally nonverbal. So this is a big, this isn't a small thing. Yeah, that's yeah. my main focus. And that's another thing. You really only want to do two or three goals, maybe three or four yeah. goals per year. And then just really focus on them. And as I go through this, as we go through our talk today, you'll discover why that's a good thing to do and why you want to keep it small. So yeah. as the year goes along, uh, I'm going to incorporate communication goals into every work we do. So if one of my goals is that she increase her vocabulary that she can find on her AAC device, which is basically her iPad with communication software, mm -hmm. then if my goal is to increase her vocabulary by including 10 words from every new subject that she learns. So if we're learning about volcanoes, I would find, you know, the 10 keywords that she would need to communicate about her volcano language, find mm -hmm. it on her iPad or teach her how to type the words. Communication can be sign language 
spell to communicate, mm -hmm. uh, communication software, any of those things. And she uses all of them. She has learned all of them over the years. So we hmm. can do, there's a word that's not on her iPad. I can look at the sign, but she'll still be able to communicate, at least with me as an interpreter. Now, because yeah. I want to work on this intensely, I'm going to alter the frequency, intensity, and duration that we work on the goal. Those are therapy terms. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to, that's one of the problems with working with just a therapist that you see once a week. Oftentimes, that's not enough of a frequency to get your child to progress. So you'll yeah. have to work on, you'll have to create your own frequency within your homeschool. So as the year goes along, I'm going to observe her responses and find that sweet spot where she's challenged, but it doesn't hurt her brain. She has, right. uh, she presents like uh, she has a permanent concussion. So mm -hmm. it really does hurt her brain to learn too much. And I know this because when she used to have seizures too, and when we cut back on her academic load, that reduced her seizures. She actually wow. will sleep 10 to 12 hours a night during the school year. And during the summer, when we're not doing academics, she only sleeps seven to eight, which is a big bummer. <laughs> I get the break during the school year, but I also have to do the school. It's like so, give and take of how much do I teach her and how much rest do I get? <laughs> I need to night, so let's do something fun all afternoon. <laughs> let's, get, let's learn something new today so they'll sleep in tomorrow. Um, I don't really do that, but sometimes I'm tempted. So as she progresses, I'll measure how far she is toward where I imagine she'd be at the end of the year. And by setting the measurement tools back in the planning phase, it's easy to determine the progress, keep track. And at the end of the year, um, I'm showing the progress she made, samples of work along the way, and um, the peace of mind that knowing that she did actually make progress during the year. And when I meet with my evaluator, I can show her actual figures and numbers like you know this percent of the time she was able to communicate on her own with this this mm -hmm. percent of the time she was able to self-modulate things like that or if it's mm -hmm. an academic goal she mastered counting numbers one through ten things mm -hmm. like that so at the end of the year i've measured the progress um oh and i can see that she did make progress in the areas we targeted and right. it's really goal the biggest comfort for doing for that's the big payoff for this so my final words mm -hmm. of encouragement in this area is if you teach it they will learn and i learned this when i was homeschooling my oldest son when it came time for first grade testing i was all excited my first year ever homeschooling with all the testing uh -huh. he did great on everything but he tanked in spelling and i'm like how can someone not pass spelling so in first grade but <laughs> and then looking back i realized i had assumed that spelling would just happen as he learned how to read. So the next uh, year I taught him spelling and used a spelling curriculum and he did great. Mm -hmm. So if you teach it, they will learn right. and never underestimate right. what your child can learn. Yeah, yeah. I love all of the, that information. Uh, so we're gonna head on to, let's talk about prep. Um, once the prep is over and the homeschool year begins, are there things you recommend that parents do to stay on track in following the plans they wanted to keep for the year? Especially, and well, as you know, there are setbacks and interruptions. So the homeschool schedule may 
have been modified <laughs> in there somewhere. This was a short answer, <laughs> relatively, <laughs> relative to all the other questions. Okay. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. So one way I do it is debriefs. That's a, I think that's a military term at the end of a mission, everybody will gather together and they're all saying, you know, what went right, what went wrong and what can we do mm -hmm. better next time? And that's exactly what you do in your homeschooling day. So the best mm -hmm. way to stay on track is to do a regular debrief. I recommend, especially if you're new to this every week, like at the end of the week, mm -hmm. what, went right, what went wrong and how, what am I going to change next week to make this situation less likely to happen? Or right. for learning to occur. And if things, um, you can also do it every three weeks, like we talked about multiples of three, that just makes it easy. Or every mm -hmm. nine, I would say nine weeks. If you're really falling apart, you may have to do this daily. Like if your child, like you're talking about the child with behavior issues, if behavior is a real issue and no learning is taking place, you're going to need to do your daily debrief and figure out. Great advice. You know, be the observer, what's going on, what is mm -hmm. causing this, because he stayed up too late, he woke up too early, he ate the wrong right. thing before school. And you're going to forget that by the end of the week. So yes. daily does make sense. Mm -hmm. And then daily, and then you have the chance to change it the next day. So you're not waiting five days to solve a problem right. that really needs to be incrementally fixed day by day. So that by the end of the mm -hmm. week, you've made five changes and not just one. Right. Yeah. So keen observation is another thing. Like I, I love to use the term, be a noticer. Just mm. notice your an observer is kind of, to me, it's distant, but a noticer is like when you're, it's like you're actively noticing your child and how they learn yeah. best. And this is what I was talking about earlier. So like when they're self-teaching, are they on the floor? Are they in a favorite chair? Do mm. they to learn new, teach themselves new things early in the morning or after lunch, where, mm -hmm. what, you know, the time of day, what tools or objects are they, do they like learning on the iPad? Do they like learning on the computer? Mm -hmm. um, take note and then use those natural tendencies to teach your child new things or the really hard things. That's a great time. If they, if you know, they like laying on the floor to learn, teach them the hard stuff when they're laying on the floor. And then the last thing is yeah. just to track, track their interest. And again, this was part of that student mm -hmm. learning profile I was talking about. These are all the things that you do and use to stay on track. Because if you notice these things about your child and if you track their interest, for example, on the interest thing, so you can incorporate your child's favorite things into the learning. For younger kids, you can have their favorite characters like Nickelodeon characters oh, yeah. or storybook characters sit in class with them, you know, you have a little classroom set up or their doll can be, uh, or action figure if it's a guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got in trouble in my house for my boys calling those things dolls. Action figures oh. in yeah. class. <laughs> <laughs> they're, if they like, if they're older kids, like if they like Minecraft, tie it to uh, learning about minerals for science or building, mm -hmm. you know, STEM section on Minecraft. I'm sure there are things out there we don't do. Yeah. You know, my kids are out of the house, so we don't have to do STEM. Uh, we don't do Minecraft stuff right now, but they still play it sometimes. <laughs> but you can do all kinds of STEM activities with related to Minecraft. Fashion, look at pictures of fashion for the time period you're studying in history. So they're still mm -hmm. learning. You're still using all that curriculum you pay good money for. But you're incorporating exactly. their interest into it. 
So, hey, you know, you just learned about the Byzantine Empire. What mm -hmm. were they, you know, what kind of shoes did they wear? What kind of sandals? How did sandals evolve over time? All that, that stuff uh, can be worked in your school based on their interest. The opportunities are really in interest, uh, endless. Yeah, they really are. You know, we even incorporated Minecraft with history and architecture. Ah, so, very nice. Lots of different things. <laughs> yeah. And then the other the other part of that question that I didn't quite um, answer with all that stuff is when you have life's interruptions, which inevitably happen, like this past mm -hmm. year, we all got sick in January and, you know, all pretty sick for about a month. So when mm -hmm. those kind of interruptions happen, you can go to a lighter teaching schedule. And if you set those goals out ahead of time, then you'll know what to focus on. You may not be able to do a full exactly. schedule. You don't feel good. But you know, you've already laid out what's most important to you and to your child's progress. Mm -hmm. And that's what you focus on. Yes, that's a great thing to point out. Because we, we often think it's an all or nothing, but it's what we put priority in. And that those goals really help us to know what we need to prioritize for our child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, since I don't have any more questions from the audience, I'm going to just throw in the next one. Um, so are there specific resources, tools, websites, or items that you recommend to parents who are preparing for a new school year with their special needs child? Um, <laughs> yes, but I'm afraid, I'm going to say this, but I'm afraid I'm going to sound like an infomercial. because. Mm -hmm for Peggy, okay, and for all that she does. But that's because I truly believe that she is, Peggy, I don't know if you know the treasure that our community mm. has, Peggy Ployer, but she's pulling together the best resources in the homeschool community, uh, the special needs homeschool community, and she's making them available, both free and paid options. Uh, when she gets guest posts on, her, on the blog sites that she runs, they are people with experience. You don't have to, you know, slog through the web. You can start slogging through her website first, Bed Homeschool. Just do a search. I tell people yeah. don't read everything, don't watch everything. <laughs> There's too That's much. Right. So I think of your sites as the go-to option for homeschooling special needs. And that's a good place to start. And um, so bedhomeschool.com is the first place I would go. And it's your best free resource for pulling together your own homeschool AP and learning how to set these goals. So if you go to the website, I had to find this. This was not, <laughs> it's not intuitive, so I'll share it with you. You have to scroll okay. all the way to the bottom of the home screen to get to the search thing. It's not a top like yes. other websites. Yes. It's at the very bottom. But it's nice and prominent. You'll see it. When you get down there, you'll see it. You won't miss it. And it's a pretty short home page. So you can just get to the bottom. But yeah. <laughs> so type in IEP. And you'll get, I counted seven articles that will help you from different angles, whether it's setting and goals. Five more that. coming out this month. Oh, cool. So, so there'll be a lot of things. So just type in IEP. Now, that's the do it yourself method. So, if you want something more formal that would be included in a paid product, yeah. I don't know if you know this, Peggy also runs the website empoweredhomeschool.org. And that's where more of the courses oh, are and where the partners are. And like that. It's an extension of SPED Homeschool. But it's, mm -hmm. uh, so I happen to have a course there called How to Create a Special Needs Homeschool Plan. And that walks you through yeah. the whole process step by step. And I provide over 60 printables 
to choose from. So you can customize your plan to exactly what you need. You can use it over and over each year. So it's not a one and done. It's a use it from now until you're finished with teaching. Mm -hmm. And if your child is in high school and you're focusing on transitioning into adulthood, there is also a course out there called Special Ed PTA by Barb Beck. New one, yeah. if you haven't heard of it. Yeah, new one that just released. Yeah, mm -hmm. just released, it, uh, I think, in June. And that helps you and your child plan a future for where your child is as independent as possible. It's got, yeah. I think, 14 keys or modules to work through. Mm -hmm. It's really excellent. Um, I've had, I had the opportunity to go through it, my, uh, to look through it myself. So it's really, really good. And the other place mm -hmm. that has tons of helpful information is hslda.org. You don't yes. have to be a member to access their articles. Now on that mm -hmm. website, you're going to search on SEP, which stands for Student Education Plan, and you're going to find even more helpful articles, and they will supplement what's what you're finding on SPED Homeschool. HSLDA is a legal organization, so you know that what you find on that website is going to be legally accurate, which is mm -hmm. helpful. And okay, I know we said this is IEP month, but I'm going to use yeah. it as a teachable moment. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so like any good homeschooler, got these teachable moments. And IEP, the term IEP is actually, it stands for Individualized Education Plan. And it is technically, it is actually a legal contract between a parent and the school to provide special education services according to IDEA, which is the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a legal term. And SEP, which is what they use, you'll notice on the uh, HSLDA website is mm -hmm. a full version of an IEP. So it's very similar. It's not defined in law, but it includes a lot of the same information. So technically a homeschooler only has an IEP if they are in contract with the school to provide services. Otherwise right. you're really, what you're really creating is an SEP. So I just, right. but unfortunately the reason we call it that is because there's a lot of doctors and therapists that want your IEP. And so we've kept that terminology, especially at the Social Security Administration, ask for an IEP. And if you gave them an SEP, they aren't very happy. <laughs> that oh, wow. That's it comes good to know. As that. Yes. And so there are some, and it's not even statewide, there's some Social Security offices that actually require an IEP as a documentation for um, your child to get funds. And that's kind of the reason why we call it that. It, I know it's crazy. It's you can call it a lot of things, but yeah, so we try to keep that term because it is more universally used. Right, and that's yeah. So mm -hmm. it's but that was the technical. So I was just giving y'all the technical definition, but you'll still right. see I used everywhere. So just yep. that you know in the back of your mind that there's a difference, but no one cares <laughs> pretty right. much exactly. except the Social Security Administration. Yeah. Yeah. They're not even right. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good. So I've got a couple questions from viewers. You ready to take some of those? Okay. Okay. So the first one said, because you were talking about spelling and reading, and she said, should spelling come before reading or during the process? That is up to you. There are programs. The two that come to mind are the Writing Road to Reading and mm -hmm. Spell, Write, and Read. Those teach it in conjunction together at the same time. The, and I guess the title of the book is Spell to Write and Read. So 
you so they're teaching spelling as to means as a means to learning to read if you are not using a program like that then you decide if your child can handle learning both because those are technically two separate parts of the brain at work and some kids it's too much at one time so you can separate it out so hmm. it's more important for your child to learn to read so that they can keep going in school and read their books then you can start there and add spell spelling later yeah i think a lot of people often do focus on spelling later just because it's part of the writing process and so when a child learns to start learning to write which is usually after reading then you start focusing on that spelling but, but like stephanie said it's completely up to you <laughs> you can choose yeah and if you um, want to do both at once then get one of the programs that that does that for you right yep that's great thanks for sharing those two resources and then laura asks is it okay to make your own curriculum to suit your child's needs what a perfect question for you <laughs> stephanie <laughs> yes, i have done it many times <laughs> um, I have used no curriculum, no formal curriculum, because this past year, like in science, I have mm -hmm. this series of books, you can probably get them from the library, called 100 Things You Should Know About Topic. So we started reading about um, weather, and my daughter just thought tornadoes were the coolest thing. And so we've been <laughs> checking out books from the library about tornadoes for six months now because she's still in oh. lightning and then it you know it led to lightning and she's finding videos on her ipad that cover those topics mm -hmm. so she has learned a lot about lightning and tornadoes and weather but we didn't use it we didn't use curriculum we just watched things you know i'm trying to always add new knowledge right. but we didn't do it using a curriculum so no and i created for my son <clears throat> we used the writing road to reading to teach him to read. He didn't learn to read until he was in fourth grade. And mm -hmm. I actually created a series of flashcards and I hand drew pictures. I don't have them here with me. I had them here last night. Um, I hand drew pictures to go with each phonogram. So I, I wanted mm -hmm. to read through phonics. But so what it did was I turned what's reading as normal, normally an auditory process into a visual learning mm -hmm. process mm -hmm. by creating flashcards. Yeah. So yeah, I've done a lot of things without using formal curriculum. Yeah. It's amazing when your kids need something, how creative you can get. <laughs> yes. And that took weeks. I did like 10 cards a week and I ended up with 107 flashcards. So that wow. was you know, a couple of months of doing that. I just did 10 a week. I just slogged away. Yeah. Well, that makes them more manageable. I think if we thought we had to write the whole thing in one sitting, it's just not going to happen. So mm -hmm. knowing that that's a process and you kind of create it as your child needs it instead of, you know, projecting out, this is what we'll need the whole year. And now let's just sit down and write it. It's just not going to happen. Right. And there are also websites you could use, especially for like the older grades, schmoop.com. S-H-M-O-O-P.com. The content there is written by high school teachers and professors. When we did, 
American History for High School for my struggling learner son. We just read through together. I was sitting there with him. We read through all the Schmoot material. And then at the end of the year, he was able to take a practice. I think it was CLEP exam for American History One for college. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he scored 88% on it. So he knew. Uh -huh. So that was enough, just having that free resource and working mm -hmm. through it. It's, I mean, it's set up chronologically, but it's not really a curriculum. So there are all kinds right. of things you can use instead of purchasing curriculum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it has a lot to do with our own confidence. Can you talk about that process that's been for you to gain the confidence from where you started to where you are now? A lot of it is... I, <laughs> I've taken, I'm a reader, I'm a researcher. I like trying new things. So mm -hmm. and that, I'm that's not helpful. afraid to fail. That's yeah. been real helpful. Um, and also one other advantage was I started schooling in kindergarten with my oldest son, started him in kindergarten. And my whole thought process was, okay, how badly can you screw up kindergarten? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, was a total I figured we can, okay, surely we can fix kindergarten in first grade. <laughs> so that was the mindset I started out homeschooling with. Mm -hmm. With my daughter, that hasn't really worked. My special needs daughter, because if I, you know, I can't waste a year with her. That's that's a little uh, too much. And so that's why. And I didn't discover this whole goals IEP process for many years. So mm -hmm. once I started being intentional, intentional about what I was going to teach her and how I was going to measure it. It really mm -hmm. became a danger, but it, I, that's not how I started out. I started out as how badly do you mess up a year? <laughs> well, that's still really good advice because I think, you know, people see individuals who homeschooled for a long period of time and they think this is how they started. And no, it's not. We just kind of fumbled our way through many years and went, please, God. <laughs> Just help us make it through another year. <laughs> that's right. And, th and that's the other thing I found with homeschooling special needs is it's so easy to, you know, get three or four weeks into the year and you're already so discouraged that you just kind of float through the rest mm. of the year. So I'm hoping um, that as, you know, as you gain experience and stuff, people will not have to go through that. But that it's tough. I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's tough love. Mm -hmm. It's tough uh, to stay on track and to keep going and slogging it out, especially when you don't have a lot of support. Right, yeah, and like one of our viewers was saying, you know, what if I as a parent have neurodiverse issues as well? And I totally get that, I'm on the spectrum and it, it has been hard, but you have to figure out how you teach and what's comfortable for teaching to you and then who can partner up with you to do things that you can't do. You have any other advice on that? Oh well, alongside doing the student profile, mm -hmm. you can you can create a teacher profile, and then you oh, see where yeah. your child meet your differences, or you mm -hmm. know, and you can see okay, this is going to be an area of struggle because we're not the same, and then it kind of gives you clues on how to that you're going to have to come up with a solution to that difference. 
Right, exactly. And sometimes that means hiring a tutor or using an online course for things that were, you're just going to butt heads the whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's great. Laura on YouTube said, confidence is a huge one, trusting that you know your child more than the professionals. I agree. That's That one's tough because, well, even not only professionals, but also just the people around you were oh, so yes. sure that the public school is the answer to all your problems. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm here to testify <laughs> it is not. Because my, my daughter went into public school I'd homeschooled her up through, I guess, the end of second grade, hmm. reading at a first grade level, and she came out years later reading at a kindergarten level. Uh, the public school is not going to be the answer to all your problems. So people hmm. can tell you that. And then the professionals, you know, having the confidence. And it's kind of like growing up in a small town. You just have to look at people like they're crazy. When they look at you like you're crazy, you just kind of <laughs> back. It's confused. Right. The other one is, well, what are you basing that on? Right. So. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's so true. So I would girl. love what? It's that small town girl coming out, just there back yes. at him. <laughs> I lived in a small town for five years, so I, I get that mentality. <laughs> it was long enough that people like looked at us strangely, but we weren't there long enough for them to get to know us. <laughs> So yep. where can families find your resources and connect with you, Stephanie? Okay, well, I have some freebies on my website at artofspecialneedsparenting.com. And when you sign up, it's under freebies on the menu. And when you sign up for those, you'll be signed up for my email list. And I send out resources, just random resources every week, whether it's uh, conferences, especially those like summits, online summits that you can watch for mm -hmm. free for 24 right. hours. Uh, curriculum, all kinds of things, just whatever's whatever's in the air that week is what you get. And then I'm also, where I'm developing the curriculum and the homeschool program for this fall is at elarplearning.com, E-L-A-R-P, learning.com, and that's curriculum and homeschool method. It's also a homeschool method. And it's specifically for kids who are two or more years behind grade level in one or more subjects. And I just had a webinar on that last night. In a few days, I'll be able to post that on my website that people can sign up to watch that. And it'll explain the process and this how, how the method works and the curriculum that'll go with it. And I have a program for this fall. I'm so excited. Me too. <laughs> it's I was, I was a excited. resource that's been asked for and asked for. And I'm so glad that God put that on your heart to Thanks. do because you're gifted in that area. Definitely. And my daughter is not nonverbal and intellectually disabled. So that's really who it's designed for. It'll help a lot of people who are less, less severe, but right. I'm really focusing on the nonverbal, you know, getting those nonverbal kids to communicate and then teaching the ID kids. Which is huge. We have so many questions of parents asking, how do we do that? And I know next year we, we set our content calendar for 2023 and we're gonna focus a whole month on how to teach nonverbal students. So that is coming. Great. I'll be tuning in too. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, so the, the, the rest of this month, we're gonna focus on IEPs and tools and other things like that too. Um, but this has been a great start, Stephanie, because it's that 
teacher prep, you know, that the why behind why we should write documents and track this information, keep it all in one place and make sure progress is happening. Um, a lot of times we'll just kind of say, well, that just seems like a lot of extra work, but you've given it the why and really how it does help in that um, the process throughout the year and in years to come. And we have so much other information on our website about how it helps you advocate for your student when school is coming to an end or you're using other services too. So it's just helpful all around. Cool. Absolutely. So thank you for all you've had to share on this. Oh, you're so, welcome. Yeah. And make sure you check out Stephanie's website. She has a lot of really good information. Like she said, lots of freebie downloads and uh, you, you just get on her mailing list so you know when her curriculum's coming out <laughs> and all the other <laughs> things that she has. So, yeah. Well, next. It's ready week, on August what? 20 something. August? It'll be ready in August at the end of August. Oh, end of this month. awesome. Well, I can't wait. <laughs> So next week, we are going to focus on IEP goals and how to achieve them through different um, brain training methods. And so um, Dr. Carol Brown with um, Equipping Minds is going to be with us. And she has some extremely innovative ways to build neurodevelopmental pathways. And she's actually written a whole document that's on our freebie download page on on IEP goals and how to meet them with these brain training strategies. But she's going to go through um, all those things with us on the broadcast as well and kind of dive in deeper to them. So you'll want to join us for that. But yeah. Um, well, thank you all for joining us for this broadcast and um, for putting up with me with my <laughs> my leg and listening to myself while I'm speaking because <laughs> it's been a difficult one, but Stephanie, thank you for talking a lot. That helped. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I'll try to tone it down next time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure my microphone's working next time. So, all right. Well, thank you all for joining us and for being part of our community. Um, this broadcast was brought to you by donors like you. If you want to make a tax-deductible donation to SPED Homeschool, just visit us at our website at spedhomeschool.com. And, yes, yeah, so we'll see you next right week, same place, same time. And so have a great week. Get your teacher prep done. And we'll see you um, next Tuesday. So bye, everybody, and God bless. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, we hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.